And again, good morning. Good to see you all. We are nearing the end of our series in 1 Peter. And we've come now to chapter 5. And I love chapter 5 because it's all about leadership. And Peter has some great insights as to what kind of leader the church needs. What do you think about leadership? What kind of a leader does the world need? What kind of a leader do you need to have in your workplace? What kind of a leader are you looking for in your classroom? What kind of a leader do you think we need in government? What kind of a leader do you think we need in the church? I'd imagine if we opened up the floor that we'd have lots of great ideas, that you have lots of good uh, you know, experience-based opinions about what effective leadership looks like. And here's a way of reframing the question. What kind of a leader are you and I called to become? What kind of a leader are you and I called to become? Because all of us are becoming a certain kind of person. All of us are developing, our character is developing from the inside out, and that's going to influence everything that we touch, most especially the things that we lead. What kind of a leader are you becoming in your life right now? Peter zeroes in on this question and points us to Jesus in the process. So let's turn there, 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 5. Here's why Peter, the one who wrote this letter, has a unique angle on leadership. He had a very messy leadership journey. Peter started out hungry. He was a hungry leader. When he was a, 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 a young man, Jesus invited him to be one of his disciples. And, and Peter was a hungry leader, meaning that he was, he was always trying to advance himself. He was always saying, hey, put me in. I've got great ideas. I've got some untapped leadership potential. Put me in. Set me free. There were times where he would actually take Jesus aside to correct him because he thought he knew he could do it better. And that's what hungry leaders think to themselves. I could do it better. I could do it better. Sometimes they say it and sometimes they don't, but that's the drive and the heart and the intention of a hungry leader. And then what happened to Peter? When the time actually came for him to lead, when he could have stood like a rock, when Jesus was being tried, when Jesus was being crucified, when Jesus was being erect, uh, 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 arrested, Peter freaked out. Okay, He lost his head. He lost his nerve, he ran away, he denied his Lord, and he totally choked when he could have led. And so Peter went from a hungry leader to a hesitant leader. He went from a hungry leader to a hesitant leader. And if hungry leaders think, you know what, I could do it better, hesitant leaders think to themselves, you know what, someone else can do it, right? Someone else should take care of it. Someone else should lead. I'm not qualified. I'm no good. Maybe I'm all bad. Someone else should lead. He went back to fishing, and that is where Jesus encountered him. That's where Jesus encountered Peter, and Peter experienced the grace of God in Christ when Jesus said, hey, Peter, you know what? Do you love me? Actually, yes, I do. All right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to step back into leadership, but it's not going to be like it was before. It's not going to be like where you were the, on the front row answering all the questions right away. It's not going to be like where you're taking me aside. It's not going to be like you're advancing to first in the kingdom, seeking power and privilege. Here's what it's going to be like. You're not going to be a 
hungry leader. You're not going to be a hesitant leader who's being passive. You're actually going to be a humble leader. You're going to be a humble leader. And that's the kind of journey that Peter went on before he wrote chapter 5, which is why I love chapter 5. It's not very long, but it's, it's full of wisdom. It's full of grace. Where do you find yourself this morning as you and I look at 1 Peter together? Are you in a place where you're hungry, where, where you, you feel like you, you have untapped leadership potential? You have ideas that you could bring to the table where you feel like, you know what, I could do it better if only someone would believe in me and, and, and put me to work. Or maybe you're in the place of a hesitant leader and you're like, you know what, someone else should lead. I'm not qualified. I don't want the responsibility. Someone else should do it. Someone else should do it. Uh, I don't like the risk. I don't like the sacrifice. Someone else should do it. We usually fall into one of those at any given time in our life. So here's the invitation to become a humble leader who leads with and for Jesus Christ, who, who lives to make him proud, who leads to make him proud. Do you want to become that kind of a leader? If so, we're going to look at 1 Peter 5, and we're going to look at three ambitions that, that a humble leader has. Three ambitions, Peter says, hey, I want, you, I want these to be your ambitions. Whatever your actual assignment is, whatever your job is, forget about that. No matter whether you have a leadership position or not, whether you have too much or too little leadership, these can be your ambitions and leadership positions will take care of themselves. So let's look at uh, the first ambition of a humble leader, and that is the ambition to join the work of the shepherd. The first ambition is to join the work of the shepherd. Peter says in 1 Peter 5, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. The work of the shepherd that Peter's referring to, Ezekiel 34 fills it out. Here's what a shepherd does. A shepherd goes out and gathers the sheep. Then once the sheep are gathered, the shepherd resources the sheep, feeds them in whatever way they need to be fed. And then when the wolves come to eat the sheep, or when the merchants come to fleece the sheep, the shepherd stands up and says, no way, you're not getting near these sheep. So it's gathering and feeding and protecting the sheep. This is very costly and yet very rewarding work. Peter says, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. No, he, he didn't see Christ die on the cross. He had run away, but he watched Jesus suffer as he shepherded the flock of God. And it's also rewarding. He, he talks about the glory that is to be revealed. Oh, come on. Jesus gathered the sheep, and he fed the sheep, and he protected the sheep. The Samaritan woman at the well, everyone had cast her aside, kind of the town harlot. Who was Jesus talking to? A Samaritan woman with a checkered past. Everyone wanted to ignore her. Jesus went to Samaria to find her. And he had a conversation with her. 
and he fed her with living water. And he fed her with his presence. That's the kind of leader Jesus was. That's what a humble leader wants to do. You know, Jesus did that with the 5,000 people wanting a meal. He didn't shoo them away. That's what Jesus did with the children that wanted a blessing from Jesus. All the disciples were like, God, get these snotty, annoying kids away from us. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Bring them in. They want a blessing. I want to bless them. The epileptic boy, the tax collector in the tree, the woman who was bleeding from birth, Jesus gathered them and he fed them and he protected them. He stood up to the enemy and said, these people are mine and I love them. That's the work of a shepherd. It's costly and very rewarding work and you don't have to be a pastor to do it. You don't have to be a professional minister to do it. You can be a bivocational fisherman who pastors people in your fishering, which isn't a word except now. <laughs> Peter went back to fishering after he failed. And Jesus said, hey, come here. Do you love me, Peter? Yeah, actually I do. I want you to go feed my Shepherd the sheep I care about and love. I'm going to ascend to the Father. I'm going to send my spirit. What's the spirit for? The spirit is to get you moving. The spirit is to get you moving to gather the sheep and feed the sheep and protect the sheep, even though it's costly for you to do that. Peter says the same thing to us. All of us who would put ourselves forward to lead or those of us who feel like, you know what, I'm not qualified for it. He says, shepherd the flock. Do you love Jesus? Do you want to make him proud? Go find them. They're right here. They're right here. It's the person in the kiva with no one to talk to. It's the neighborhood kid who comes over sometimes. It's the coworker eating alone in the cafeteria in your job. It's the person on your missed calls list, for goodness sakes. They're right here to be gathered, to be fed, to be protected. Are you willing to stand up for evil, stand up to evil on behalf of the sheep? If there was a battered woman in your building, would you be willing to stand up for her? Would you be willing to gather her and feed her if necessary? That's the work of a shepherd. And it's the calling of all of the leaders in the church. Hesitant leaders look at the sheep and go, you know what? They might be resources for my agenda. Hesitant leaders look at sheep and go, you know what? Those might be nuisances to make my life more complicated. Humble leaders say, those might be the very flock of God. I could love them as Jesus would. Humble leaders are ambitious to join the work of a shepherd. Secondly, humble leaders are ambitious to take on the character of the good shepherd. Not just the work of the good shepherd, but the character of the good shepherd. <laughs> humble leaders want that. They want whatever's inside the good shepherd flowing out to be inside of them. They want the character of the good shepherd. 
I was having lunch with some other pastors in Uptown. Other Uptown pastors were all gathering, were having some sushi and um, just hanging out. And one of the pastors took a risk in that conversation, and he shared just vulnerably from his own life. He shared his own kind of struggle in his walk with Christ and as a leader. And what that did, you know what that does in a conversation is that that gives permission for other people to be just as vulnerable. What happens when that happens? That means that actual relationships are formed. Now, what happens when that happens among pastors? That's a wonderful thing. And then when the lunch came to an end, very modestly, he was like, yeah, please take the check. It wasn't at all like, oh, no, no, I got it, everybody. It was a, no, just give it to me. Just bring it to me. Pays for all of our lunches. I came away from that lunch going, you know what? I want to be like him. Have you ever had that experience where you're with someone and you're just watching them and you're like, you know what? I want to be like that person. I want to I be the kind of person that naturally and freely acts like them. Now, that's what Peter's calling us to. He's saying, look at Jesus, look at the good shepherd, and model your life after his, and become like him, which is a process. Can't happen overnight. You can't just try hard, as we talk about a lot here. Peter consistently points in his book to uh, Jesus' character, his example in overcoming evil with good, his example in laying his life down, his example in not retaliating insult for insult. Peter is uh, focused on the example of Jesus Christ, the character of Jesus Christ. Now listen, character is more concerned with the why and the how than it is with the what. Character is not as much concerned with what are you doing? What are you leading? What are your numbers? What is your job? Character is more concerned with how. How are you filling out that job? How are you getting it done? How are you leading? How are you treating your kids? How are you treating your roommates? And why? What's motivating it? What's behind it? You know this because you watch for character, don't you? Don't you feel it when someone has an angle? When so, and doesn't it make you angry when they're hiding it? We're concerned with character because everything comes down to character. Character is more concerned with the why and the how of leadership than it is with the what. So Peter points us to the motivation side of character in the second part of verse 2. He says, um, well, how are we shepherding the flock of God? Well, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Peter is referring to nothing less than guilt and duty. Guilt and duty, guilt and duty. Another mouth to feed, another person to help. Oh, great, here they come. One more thing on my to-do list. Oh, another yawning list of needs. Guilt and duty. Uh, we are leading others and serving others because it's expected. We're fulfilling commitment. Now, this is not all bad. We've all got commitments, and we don't always feel like doing them, right? That's a normal and natural thing. But what is the foundation, really, of your leadership? What's the foundation of you serving the people in your life? Is it because you have to? Peter says, no, become the kind of person who serves and leads like Jesus led. Jesus 
encountered people with enthusiasm. He had an overflowing affection for them. He wanted to serve them, and he wanted to serve the Father. Willingly. He did his uh, ministry willingly. He said, Zacchaeus, come down from there. I'm having uh, you know, dinner at your house today. He didn't do that begrudgingly. He did that willingly. When he invited the children to come to him, he didn't do that begrudgingly. He did that willingly. He wanted to. He led with a willing heart. How does it feel for you when you are someone else's duty? It stinks. It's a drag for you too. You feel like, you know what, if I'm just one more person for you to do something for, forget about it. Compare that with what it feels like to be someone else's delight. For a leader to take interest in your life because they care about you and they want to love you and they want to help you. That's life-changing, and that's the kind of leader that we are called to be. Not one who serves under compulsion, as I have to, but willingly, hey, I want to. This is the kind of leader that Jesus was. Secondly, Peter says in the last part of verse 2, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Peter warns against greed and corruption. If we are leading people for the perks, it's not leadership anymore. It's just an elaborate form of selfishness. If we are leading people for the perks and the advantages, and especially the money, if that's our primary fire that's burning to get us up in the morning, it's not actually leadership. You're not actually leading people You're fleecing people. It's just an elaborate form of selfishness. It doesn't mean money is bad. We all need money to live. But when it's your motivating factor, when it's what animates you, rather than Jesus animating you, it's not leadership anymore. And Peter warns against this. He warns against corruption, especially in the church. There's no greater way, or one of the greatest ways to harm the flock of God is to lead people in the name of Jesus and do it for the money. Jesus hates it, and Peter warns us against it. It's true also outside the church as we, as ambassadors of Jesus, if we are doing it for the money, we're doing it for the wrong reason. Jesus, though he was rich, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, became poor so that you and his poverty could become rich in all the right ways, to be rich in the Father's love. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, you know what, that's not me. I'm not corrupt. I'm definitely not embezzling money. I'm not really selfish. I'm not in this for the money. Here's a test. It's a test for all of us. How much money do you give away? How much money do you give away? With what God has entrusted to you, do you are you consistently being generous or do all, does all the money flow back to you pretty much? Now, if you get a little bit of power, that only gets worse. It doesn't fix the problem. If you get more money, it's going to continue to flow back to you even more. What motivates you? Guilt and duty, money, 
Peter said, no, let's take on the character of Christ. Here's the final element of character, the character of the good shepherd, and that is the manner. How are you leading? Verse 3 says, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Not domineering those in your charge, but being examples to those, to, uh, being examples to the flock. Come on up, Josh. Here's what domineering leadership looks like. Come on, let's go, let's move, let's move, come on, let's go. Okay, here's what example, being an example to those who look to you for leadership. It's like, come on, hey Josh, you want to go up the stairs in the kiva? Come on, let's go. <laughs> Thank you, Josh, good sport. The thing is, though, it's funny, but it's tempting, isn't it? It's tempting to do this with people, to push them where we want them to go. And we can push them directly or indirectly, right? <laughs> we can push them through giving them the cold shoulder and withdrawing. That's a very common form of controlling people. We can push them by manipulating them, by making them try to feel a certain way. That is a very common form of domineering. We can also push them around by powering up and losing our temper or raising our voice, or shaming them. Paul Tripp, in his book on parenting, talks about power tools. Fear, and shame, and rewards, and threats. These are power tools for domineering people, making them do what we want. And you know what? We've all got that in us. We've all got it in us, the sinful quality of domineering people. Peter's calling us to the character of Christ being an example to those in the flock, becoming the kind of person who looks and talks like Jesus from the inside out so that others who see it go, you know what, I would like to meet the Savior behind your behavior. I would like to meet Jesus who is animating you. What kind of person have you become like? I want to become like that person too. Humble leaders are ambitious, not just for the work of the shepherd, but for the character of the shepherd. And finally, Humble leaders are ambitious for the commendation of the good shepherd. The commendation of the good shepherd. Verse 4 says this, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Peter's imagery here is that of a Roman wreath, a wreath of laurel, or a wreath of Yanny, depending on what you hear. <laughs> it's laurel, by the way, a wreath of laurel. <laughs> where people would, they would, they would, uh, they would take, they would take natural foliage or leaves or um, flowers. And uh, there was a type of flower that was unfading. It was a bright red flower. And you could, you could create a, a crown with it and place it on someone's head when they won an Olympic contest, when they endured the suffering involved in, uh, in some kind of an Olympic athletic feat. And what Peter's saying here is that Jesus is watching us, that it matters to him the way we live our life. And he, he's... he's, he's He's watching us from, from the, his new creation throne, and he's, he's picking out all of the plants, and he's like, wow, I'm watching you parent 
and, and I'm watching you lead your employees, and, and I'm watching you influence those in your neighborhood, and I am so proud of you. And he's making a wreath, and he's saying, thank you. Thank you for loving your clients like that. Thank you for loving your children like that. Thank you for loving your small group like that. Thank you so much for loving the people in your life. They had nothing to offer you, but you had an overwhelming, overflowing enthusiasm to love them, to shepherd them, to serve them. I am so proud of you. Here you go. I know it was hard. I know that there was suffering. I know that there was pain. I know there was betrayals. I know that it was so tough, but you loved people, and I am so proud of you. Here you go. Here's your unfading crown of glory. Don't you want to be ready for that day? I want to be ready for that day because I love the shepherd and I want to make him proud. How do we take on these ambitions? This ambition of joining the work of the shepherd, even though it's costly, and the character of the shepherd and the commendation of the shepherd. We say, come Holy Spirit. (laughs) Whatever stage we're at, we say, come Holy Spirit. I love in verse five, Peter says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It's a picture, really, of a healthy church where God is giving grace, which is certainly more than the Holy Spirit, but not less than the Holy Spirit, where we have the the Holy Spirit is inside of us, but also we're clothed with humility. We have taken on the clothing of the good shepherd. Just like when he washed his disciples' feet, he put on the garb of a servant, and and he took on a dirty job, and he loved his disciples in a way that they never, ever forgot. That's what a healthy church looks like. We're learning from each other. Hey, you're older than me in the Lord. I've got something to learn from you. Would you teach me? Would you help me see my blind spots? Would you you show me how you've received Christ? And yet we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We're also stepping out and we are leading in the name of Jesus. So we say, come Holy Spirit. Those of us who are in maybe more of a hungry leadership stage, where we're just zealous to take on more. Or those of us who are hesitant, we're holding back, we're like, you know what, I don't like the risk anymore, I'm not qualified. In both cases, the Lord says, I've got my Holy Spirit for you and I have special work for you to do. We are all in process and we all have opportunities to serve one another. When all is said and done, when all is said and done, I just want to make Jesus proud in the way that I lead. Don't you want to as well? Don't you just want to make Jesus proud in the way we serve and love one another and the way we serve and love the world? Let's look to him and become humble leaders who serve in the name of Jesus. And let's do it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.